What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast? You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Verno. On this late Tuesday night as we record, we yep. just witnessed an all-time great performance by an all-time great player in Kevin Durant. That was unbelievable. I'm, I'm in, in shock seeing that. It was just special. Just special. That was downright shocking to watch a player, number one, play 48 minutes of a basketball game. Two years after he ruptured Achilles. That did not go to overtime. When he came out to start the fourth quarter, I thought, this is about to happen. (laughs) We're about to watch a guy play 48 minutes. And I, in fact, said to my buddies, I'm like, you know, if something happens to this guy, you do wonder if it's a different coach on the sideline outside of Steve Nash, if he's getting beat up for this, right? I, I so. get it. I, I get it that so. season's on the line. I get that it's a big game. But, I mean, this is a guy that has logged a tremendous amount of minutes and had what we thought at one point was going to be more than likely a career-altering injury. Nope. and. It has not altered that career (laughs) at all. Um, This was his masterpiece. You could tell at the very beginning of this game, very quickly, that James Harden is going to give it a go. 
he played in an 46 minutes. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and he was a decoy for 46 minutes, a decoy that the Bucks didn't attack enough when he was on defense. And they had Drew Holiday on him when he was on offense. What a waste. What a Ugh. waste. And, you know, they get done with that first half. And at the end of the first half, they go back to, uh, to TNT during the halftime show. And they're putting up these numbers. And... It was Kevin Durant and Jeff Green, 33 points. The rest of the team, 10. Kevin Durant and Jeff Green, (laughs) 10 for 16 field goals. Rest of the team, 4 for 24. Kevin Durant and Jeff Green free throws, 9 for 11. Rest of the team, 0. That was at halftime, right? James Harden, 0 points. 0 for 6, two turnovers, 22 minutes. And it's like, all right, this is just not sustainable, right? You're not going to look up at the end of the game. I mean, they've got 43 points at halftime, and it's like you can't go the whole game with it just being – Kevin Durant and Jeff Green and getting nothing from everybody else, including James Harden. But I'll be damned, Kevin. They damn near did. And Durant turned up in that second half in a way that we have not seen. A lot of people were likening this and and taking great joy in this. You saw all the memes after they lost that game, uh, uh, the, the last game in Milwaukee, game four. And it was like people were sending out the memes like of, little baby at you know who was atrocious in that celebrity game and it would be like Kevin Durant without uh you know two Hall of Famers next to him or there would be like Silly. a meme I saw another one and it was like uh oh uh without uh two of the greatest scorers of all time here's Kevin Durant it was a picture of Harrison Barnes and it was like such a joke people were delighting in the idea of Kevin Durant <laughs> having to be in the position oh. that LeBron was in, you know, in, Such in different years. Here it uh, is. Here's what he Curry, does. Curry was just in, in other years. And so, you know, it had been a long time. Like really, I mean, you got to go back 2016. Really the last time we saw him in this kind of a spot where, you know, he's, it he doesn't have when, when he the was by far team. when yeah. he was by far the best player on the team the 2015-16 season yeah and yeah. he's and he by didn't far. have and, not and, even and, close and, and he had another guy but they weren't loaded you know what i mean and since then he's been flanked by two amazing guys when we've watched him play basketball and so this was the all right now you're the guy you've got to put the team on your back you've got to make this team you got to make everybody better and he ends up, as I said, with this masterpiece of a game where it looks like they're dead to rights. Not only does he play 48 minutes Ugh, in the unreal. game, he ends up, the counting numbers, 49 points, 16 of 23 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Unbelievable. And not <laughs> only that, Chris, not only that, he was their best defensive player. Yes. I mean, the whole night, anchored the defense, was switching onto the perimeter, getting stops regardless of the matchup. So on top of all the counting stats, you know, with the three steals, the two blocks, he was watching the game 
a very high-level defender individually. It was one of the better individual performances, I mean, I think I've ever seen. You know, you mentioned the help he got from Jeff Green, who finished with 27 points. Blake Griffin ended up with 17. But the Nets are up in the series 3-2, despite Kyrie now missing a game, despite James Harden being limited after missing all first four games, uh, besides the couple of seconds in the opener. Joe Harris losing his shot the last three games, it feels like he's shooting 0%. I believe he's hit only three of his last 22 or 23 three-pointers after hitting nearly 50% catch-and-shoot on the season. Some of their guys, like even Bruce Brown, who's been very good besides the end-of-the-game clunker he had, his floater's not falling. And yet, despite all that happening around Kevin Durant, he had a masterful, masterful performance, making every single right decision in the pick and roll, every single right decision as a passer, getting the ball to Landry Shaman at times, who made some nice plays off those passes. It was, I mean, it was one of the most complete performances we'll ever see. For those that were hoping for him to fall on his face when he Sorry. was without Sorry. two of these guys flanking him, look, Harden... A shell of himself is not even applicable in this. I mean, that was that was not James Harden. And you could tell immediately in that game. He ends up one for ten. You know, Kevin Durant, when we ask superstars to be those guys that prove I'm the best player on the floor, I'm about to elevate this team to a level that they shouldn't even be at, when your second and third leading scorer are Jeff Green, who's on a nothing contract. They say whatever you want about Jeff Green and his talent level. He's on a nothing contract, and he's played for 50 teams. And Blake Griffin, who was a buyout. That, in the end, those were the second and third leading scorers on this team that just won an Eastern Conference semifinals game against a outside of DiVincenzo, fully stocked Milwaukee team. Yep. And that was because one guy that was I will impose my will I am the best player on this court and everybody will know at the end of this game I and mean, that was just that's ridiculous man just ridiculous truly I mean yeah absolutely and, look and he didn't have his guys he didn't have Kyrie and he didn't have Harden he had whoever that imposter was wearing a James Harden uniform but he didn't have Harden for this game you know to yeah. To help him. And with that, you know, in mind, the fact we've only seen Harden play one full game throughout five so far in the series, Kyrie now having missed one, I, I can't help but think even if the Bucks were to win these last two, I don't feel any confidence in their ability to get to win the finals here against either the Suns, the Clippers, or the Jazz. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. they could get past the Sixers if Embiid is limited and all that, but this team is an embarrassment on the offensive end of the floor, their inability oh to create easy shots, their inability to adjust mid game. Like where was the attacking of James Harden? He couldn't move his feet. He had that one nice play poking the ball away from Giannis on an ISO near the right elbow. But other than that, his feet were in sludge. He couldn't move. So why are you not bringing him in to set the screen, uh, be the screener defender, get him on an ISO from the perimeter with Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday and attack. It wasn't happening. Where is the creativity? What took so long for Bud to pull Brooke Lopez out of the game when Kevin Durant was just picking him apart, taking pull-up after pull-up after pull-up. Why wasn't Giannis defending KD at all? Not once. Where was it? Switch it up. Throw different guys at him. It's a joke. I have no faith in this Bucks team to it's win the, anything. It's the one guy 
that we've ever seen block a Kevin Durant jump shot. In the, ever. In what, 15 years? We've never seen somebody block a Durant jumper outside of Giannis. And you're right, on the Lopez thing, like it's it's one of those, you know, it, it, that's the juxtaposition too, Kev. It's like, you know, that, and this is how Nash thinks because of how many pick and rolls he ran over the course of his year. If you put somebody out there like the second you're going to put that dude in the game, we are going to attack him until you pull him out of that game. They can't play Brent Forbes. They put Brent Forbes in. It's like this guy, he's got the scarlet letter on his head, right? Like, and yeah. same thing, but, the, but you flip it to the other side. And it's like the Nets, they sit there and they say, all right, where's our advantage? Now we're going to put the screws to you with this. Over and over and over again. If you're going to leave this dude out here, this is what we're going to do. And on the flip side, it's like the Bucks, Like, they don't exploit anything. They don't exploit anything. I mean, there we are again. Game on the line. Like, this is nip-tuck stuff. And Giannis walks in to a brick three, which caromed over to Brooke Lopez, who, like, he wasn't in rebounding position. Mm. That it ball was such a hellacious brick, it shot off to him in the corner. And then they got that, you know, the, 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 the bump foul on Harden because he can't move his feet like he should be able to move his feet. Like, Harden was consistently just trying to draw calls because he couldn't move his feet and he can't move laterally like he needs to be able to move laterally. And you saw even all those times where Giannis had the ball at the top of the key. And it's like Harden was just standing there inside the free throw line. Like, what are you going to do, man? Like I can, like I, I, I got one leg, but I can stand here. You going to drive past me. Mm-hmm. Like, like I at least try to steal the ball from me or knock it off your foot or whatever else. And just bizarre. Like, you know, they tried to run that side pick and roll with him and Holiday, nothing. Holiday airballing there. I mean, did did it, I, God? I didn't. They didn't replay it. I hope somebody hit his elbow or something. Because what the hell was that elbow airball? I mean, these are in like the. I mean, I, how many times do we come on here and I'm chronicling like the critical possessions and the ones where you just need a bucket and some of the shots they take and what they get, just the kind of shots they get. And this Brooklyn team, they are making them look much better defensively than they are. They really are. (laughs) That Brooklyn team is not, that thing is not loaded with defenders. And they should be able to exploit this Brooklyn team. And, And they just can't. And, you know, Giannis, again, he's got the big numbers. In this game, and I, I've i listened to people beat up Giannis over the course of the last couple of weeks, and I'll just say this. I do view it a lot through the prism of, and it probably, you know, it, it, it just colors my judgment a little bit when I told you, I did that whole bit last week about guys being 27, 27 or older. Yeah, yeah. And he's 25, you know? And I do think to myself, like, because I even heard they were they were doing all the player they're ranking all the players they're talking about guys that could take you to a championship or whatever else and this is uh, Rosillo and Bill on their uh, Sunday night pod and he was talking about who he would take Giannis behind 
uh, one of them was. And, I mean, it was all guys that were older. Everybody. And so, like, you know, and, 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 and now I'm hearing those names and I'm thinking, yeah, they're all been in the league longer. And, you know, in two years, hopefully, we'll look back and we'll be like, man, that's not what, that's not what Giannis was two years ago. I can remember people thrashed Embiid two years ago. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't, I, I'm not a psychology man as to why it all matches up. And so many times the great players in history have been 27 or older. And that includes LeBron. That includes Jordan. That includes Curry. It includes all manner of, of guys that I chronicled. Um, but Giannis will, these, he's still learning from these experiences. He has been so good, so fast. He has won two MVPs at a very early age. But he is still, he is still younger than than the guys that usually are the best guys on the teams that win the whole thing. Well, he, and he's still younger. There's still room to improve, Chris. That's right. right. I, I mean, in two could, years, like, you would assume he's a different well, guy than and, he is. And, now. and like we say that as somebody who like he's won a defensive player of the year. He's won two M, uh, two That's MVPs right. tonight. He had 34 points on 14 of 22 from the field, 12 rebounds. It's not like he had a bad night. It's not no. like he had a bad night, right? No. But it's the little things. It's the fact that sometimes when he has a post-up situation late in the game in that fourth quarter, he's posting up James Harden. He goes to a turnaround jump shot. That's right. It, like, where's the power post moves? Be Shaquille O'Neal. Yep. Be tough. Be strong. Be a bully. That's the next step, in my opinion, for Giannis is developing and honing his footwork on the low post in order to just destroy Anybody who is smaller than him, destroy them. He should crush James Harden. I don't care how good of a post defender James Harden is. No. Giannis needs to have a better move than a turnaround jumper, and that goes for every situation for him, too. And, and look, Budenholzer has won an awful lot of games. Sometimes yeah. I think the Budenholzer stuff can be unfair, right? Anything good that happens is never credit to him. Yeah. Anything bad that happens, he's the worst coach ever, right? Yes. Like I, it's, it's like not always his fault. It's Sometimes the position he is in now, but he is he's now in that realm of the guy that anything bad that happens or they lose, it's the coach. If they win, it's not the coach. I mean, right? I'll, like, I'll tell you what, Chris. But like, you're in that, he's in that zone. I'll tell you what, Chris, like my understanding is that some of the top coaching candidates out there, the names you're hearing, Achanti Billups, yep. you know, um, they're waiting uh, to see if that Bucks job opens up. Um, so like until we find out what happens with Milwaukee and Budenholzer, it's you want me to tell you if it's going to open up? <laughs> sure looks like, like it might. And, and we also in the coming days might have some huge coaching knows elsewhere, too. So we'll see what happens. Oh, really? Mm. Interesting. Wow. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. 
USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. I'm going to tell you this, Kev. Budenholzer, um, I, you look at that team and how they have performed offensively, and it's just not, you cannot. You, I, look, you can't excuse it. You can't. You can't excuse it, and it has just not been. Um, this has been a worst of. You know, they have a wounded, they have a wounded team that they're going up against that they have not exposed. I, I got I, I to read you a tweet, Chris. I'm sorry. I have to. Okay. From Reggie Miller. Okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna throw this out there to see what the responses will be. If you're Steve Nash in the Nets, would you sit James Harden and Kevin Durant in Game Six because of the heavy minutes tonight and push all your chips to the center of the table for Game Seven? So, like you mentioned earlier, people might talk about the minutes load. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, Chris. <laughs> From Reggie I've, Miller, NBA Hall of Famer. <laughs> look. What do you think about that, Chris? What do you think? I want to know your response. I said, <laughs> well, number one, that's asinine. <laughs> Did he get hacked? Uh, maybe maybe not. Maybe You not. never know. No. Um, <laughs> probably not. I don't think so. Number two, I said this at the beginning, Kev, <laughs> and, you know, I, I do think that another coach – it would be a bigger topic in the moment than I felt like it was. I'm because telling you, he's when, a former player and because he's yes, been through it, because he's done yeah, it. Yeah. He's also intensely likable. And he's also brand new. You know what I'm saying? We don't really have a track record on him, right? But if you would have had... It's just the situation that Durant is in so, right now. So you're now. saying he's not Thibodeau. If he were Thibodeau, it'd be like he's running this guy. Kevin Durant tore his ACL, uh, his Achilles two years ago. How are you playing this guy for 40 minutes? 48 well, minutes. You shouldn't have a job. Right. Maybe the I'd Thibodeau. fire him today. Is that maybe, what they would say? <laughs> maybe, maybe the Tibbs thing is a little extreme just because there is a track record of guys yeah. having their careers altered. And uh. many have blamed that on the extreme amount of minutes, you know, for Noah and Rose and Dang, and there's a litany of guys, right? Heinrich, you, you know, there's a lot of guys that played a lot of minutes for Thibodeau and didn't play as long as many of their peers. Um, so he may be extreme, but, you know, uh, I I don't know. Like uh, another, another coach running just him specifically, right, out there, for 48 minutes. It's just that it's the full I, I don't think I don't think people understand how rare that is, you know, to not have any rest. You know, cuz sometimes you can, you know, you, you sit them even if sometimes at the end it's like they played 45 minutes um which is extreme. It's like you caught them a minute rest here, a minute rest there, but it's a huge game and so yeah. They're playing damn near the whole time. It's just that it's Kevin. And by the way, um, he didn't stay healthy this year. This well, isn't just about coming back well, from the Chris, injury. Chris, he didn't uh, stay healthy this year. On that note, that's the thing. The Nets were overly cautious during yeah. the season. 
because they were still winning games. Right. You know, like you're going to play it safe until it matters. So yeah. they played it extra, extra safe at a time like everybody's understandably complaining about, about the fact that we're missing out on a lot of stars. Stars are right. missing games. They're sitting out. It's disappointing. People pay, you know, obviously there weren't a lot of fans in the crowd this season, but when things are normal, People pay money to get in the stands. They pay money for their cable package, their TV package to watch these great players. So it is disappointing. But that's why the Nets do it. It's yep. because so when it comes to the point where you got to play your guys 40 plus minutes, you can on a night you need a win and you're depleted. Like Steve Nash said in the sideline interview between quarters, you know, we need it tonight. And Kevin Durant, the way he was on, like if you're a coach, sometimes you just got to go off your gut, go up with a vibe. And mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, the way he was playing tonight in complete control, did not ever once. Did ever did Kevin Durant ever seem tired? I didn't no. think he ever seemed tired on offense or defense the entire freaking game. You know what I think he was? Well, I think silly he was to ti- take him I, out. I think Kevin Durant was tired about hearing about PJ Tucker's when he was tired. I think so too. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what he. Yeah, you're right. He was actually very tired, just <laughs> in that he was way. Ti- yeah. he, was he was exhausted. Of, I, I think he was tired of hearing about PJ Tucker and how difficult yeah. PJ Tucker made it on him. Totally worn out by you know? that. That's for sure. <laughs> And so, look, this is the 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 Bucks. It's a game six. It's at home. No, they 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 could certainly. It, it's hard to believe that we're gonna get a good, great, whatever you want to call it, James Harden, right? Like James Harden, he's not gonna be back and available to be the guy by the next game, right? We've only got a couple of days between this. So by the next time they go out there, it's hard to imagine. He's also gained some weight. You could tell, you know, I mean, you fall out of basketball. He, shit. Yeah. Well, you're, you you got to stay off your legs. You know what I mean? You yeah, got to exactly. yeah. stay off your legs. Um, it, you it's very really, scary. Really, really for the watch Buc- it. It's got to be terrifying for the Bucks if, you know, Harden is, I mean, what was he like? 25%, 30% of his normal self tonight. Maybe. He didn't look any, anywhere close. No. If you get like 60%, 69, 70% James Harden, no you know, that's not, that's nice for the nets and uh very bad news for the bucks. Very, that, very, very bad news. But after watching him tonight, there's no way they get 60, 70% James Harden. There's just no way it, it not in two days. I mean, he was one for 10 yeah. and he couldn't move and yeah. he was not going to drive know. to the basket and he, I mean, early early season Harden with the Rockets when he's just tanking games, not really trying. He wants a trade. He still even had some great performances. So like you could still have James Harden. I mean, he had eight assists tonight. It's not like he can't pass if he hits a couple more shots. Couple. He had a couple rebounds and he had a couple plays. Yeah, he had he had the poke on on Giannis. He had some moments, but for the most part, I was just. I'm still flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted by Budenholzer and that staff not going at Harden more. Where was it? I don't know what happened. And they're going to look back at the film and see a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. And maybe they will go at him the next time around. They do have another crack at this. They do. Yeah, they do. I don't think the series is necessarily over. I don't. We've just done this. We've done this back and forth five times now, right? It looked like they were going to get buried, but... Let's keep in mind, this went down to the last possessions. Yep. Six-point game. Yeah. And Kevin Durant just had 49, 17, and 10. Mm. Like, that's what that took. It took at home. 49, 17, and 10. So, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't want to do the burial of the Bucks. But when you got that kind of a lead, you got to put your foot on somebody's neck. And they were up huge. They were up huge. They played a 
really good first half. Mm. But they just got Duranted in the second half of that game. Let's move to some of these others. The other one in the East. Um, you know, I had said I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta got one of those home games. But if I'm being honest, I probably thought it would be game three. And then after game three, I thought there was a big part of me that thought, uh, you know, second half of game one, they found something here. You know, they, 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 they let Danny Green uh, stop getting tire marks on his back. And they put Thibault and Simmons on Trey to make it a little more difficult on him. There's no DeAndre Hunter for Atlanta. And this is going to be a really tough road to hoe. And so after game three, another 16-point victory, I thought, oh, geez. Maybe they did just figure this out. I mean, they're clearly the better team. They've been the better team all year. Yeah. Um, but that they they figured out how they want to do this. And now Atlanta is in big, big trouble. Um, lot of resolve for Atlanta because it looked again last night like they were about to get run out of the building. And not only did they not get run out of the building, they mounted the comeback and then were able to get the win down the stretch. Trey Young with that crazy 18 assist. Oh, my. One, uh, of, the, one of the kickouts he had when he kind of like went up for the layup and then kind of brought it back down yeah. and went back up and made the wraparound pass to the left corner three. That was a just an absolutely gorgeous pass. That's one of those plays like that makes this game of basketball just so beautiful. Such really an extreme number. 18. Yeah. <laughs> 18 and and only two turnovers. Just two. Yes. Two turnovers. Yes. He's um, a special passer, man. He he really is for a, like like we talk like there's a lot of great passers in the NBA LeBron James you know yeah. Luca you know a lot of, like all of them are bigger guys Ben Simmons yep. Trey Young is tiny it's harder for a small guy they don't like this is what makes Chris Paul so extraordinary yep. Chris Paul a smaller guy for years has just picked apart defenses mm-hmm. he knows how to use his body to his advantage Trey Young has some of those similar qualities as well where he doesn't let his size be a limitation to him like he plays bigger than his body. As a playmaker, it's he's a special passer, man. I, I love watching that guy play basketball. Well, and I'm going to tell you, there are these kids that are now coming up that we have, and, and I remember us talking about this, maybe it was, I don't know, probably three weeks ago now. And, you know, it's in reference to Devin Booker. It was a reference to uh, John Morant when he got to play Golden State and then five days later play him in a play-in game. Uh, we talked about it with Luca. We talked about it with Trey. And it was these Guys, when they get in these high-stakes games, they are, you know, what happens after they run into some real problems? What happens when they run into some struggle where a team decides, okay, you don't get to do it that way anymore. And you have seen every one of those young guys that we talked about and obviously this has happened with Mitchell too in Utah. There's a lot of young players in this league. I'm talking about the under 25s. But the ability for all these guys to have prosperity, another team decides, okay, we're keying in on you. We're keying in on what you want to do, and we're going to make your life hell. And they do. And then these players, every single one of those ones, Kev, have adjusted and figured out a way to be effective. That it happened with Morant. It happened with Luca. It happened with Trey. It happened with Booker. You remember mm. the Booker? Yep. You know, it was like, oh, look, now they, they they're making it hard. 
on Devin Booker. You know, they figured out how they want to guard Devin Booker. And it's like the, the marks of great players is when you take your lump, when you get shut down, when another team decides this is how we're going to make your life hell, and then they're able to come back. They get to go back and they say, all right, now I'm going to change my way. I want to play. I want to change my way that I'm going to attack. And across the board, we've talked so many times about how the league is in good hands, but these young stars and the ability to be good, get shut down or struggle, and then be great again, I mean, that is the mark of great players. We just saw it with Durant. That is what this is all about. That's when you're great. You're great. When P.J. Tucker gives you problems, when you flail around, uh, you know, in the second half of that game four, and it's just a struggle for you all night, and then you come back and you set everybody on fire. Mm. You know what I mean? Like with Hell's Fury. Like Durant, he took his lumps in that game five, or a game four, he came back and he just, he melted everybody. And... You see these young guys, though, doing it, and it's crazy. And it's happened over and over again. And Trey was the last one. It's like, okay, they figured out Trey, or Trey's not going to be that dude. Look at the freaking numbers that guy put up last night. That's freaky. Mm -hmm. And and then against the number one defense. Yep. And then sometimes some of these great young players, Joel Embiid, have stinkers. Embiid played maybe his worst half of basketball. I mean, he did not look right. He did not look totally healthy. And if you're the Sixers here, you know, in this tight series now, you better hope you have a healthy Joel Embiid if you get by Atlanta for next round because you're not beating the Nets. You're not beating the Bucks if you have nights like this from Joel Embiid. And it's like it's a shame he's de- dealing with this meniscus injury. Um, what do he have? 20, but, but he still had like, what, 20 rebounds or something? He, he had 17 <laughs> points, 21 rebounds, four assists, but he was on four of 20 yep. from the field. Four yep. of 20. So, you know, you got to get more from Joel Embiid. That was a horrible second half for him. And, you know, maybe you will. You know, it could have just been an aberration. Maybe he just wasn't feeling great. But he admitted after the game he's he's obviously dealing with the pain, dealing with it. So, but this is what I've talked about, though, right? Like this is this is what we're seeing with these guys. Would it shock you at all if Joel Embiid came back and had a no. fifteen for twenty night nope. with forty three points and nineteen? Re- <laughs> like that's the yeah. crazy thing. It's like you get to do it against them, but then they come back the next time around and they figure stuff out for themselves. Um, and I do think that's probably in the cards. Um, happy for the Atlanta fans to just get to see a home playoff win in a high stakes game. Um, and they got some gamers on their team, man. I, I, I can't, I can't help but like it. I mean, like, you know, I, you know, I love Bogdanovich. I love him. He is oh, yeah. just, oh, can you I mean, imagine him on the bucks? Wow. Oh my God. I'm sure they, I'm sure they do every day. <laughs> Sure they, I'm yeah. sure they do every single day. It honestly is kind it. of unfortunate. Like like that secondary ball handling presence who oh. can hit clutch shots off the dribble, contested, who can play off ball, who is fearless, who can make smart passes, fits great alongside Trey on this Hawks team. It sure would have looked great alongside the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to tell you something, though, Kev. Holiday has been an immense letdown for me. I'm a holiday guy. 
I'm a Holiday guy. I love Holiday. I remember how awesome he was in that series against Portland when we finally got to see him in the playoffs. And it was like everybody started giving him his flowers because him and AD, and they, they just they ran the Blazers off the court. And it was like, oh, Drew Holiday's like an all-defensive guy. Andy's awesome. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. I mean, good grief, man. Do something. Give me a 25. Give me a, like, come on. Like, I know that he's not, like, focal point of the offense or whatever. But, like, good night. He just, he has not been. Like, that's why you stay underrated, man. Like, you got to be, you know, if you want to be, you want to be rated where you should be rated, he's an outstanding defender still. There's no doubt about it. The guy is a great defender. But in terms of offensively, I mean, I need I need one of these nights for you to go big, like big, I mean, big. Chris, he you know? has always considered himself a two guard. Do you think that's part of it that like maybe this Bucks team, they like their starting five, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, PJ Tucker. There's no, there's no pure playmaker on that group. There's nobody who's a pure passer, and not that you need that. You don't necessarily need that, but you got to have somebody who can step into that role and do it at a high level. And Drew Holiday has never been that guy. He's always been at his best when he's sharing the backcourt with another guy who takes on those responsibilities primarily so he can do what he does best, focusing on defense and also being a spot-up shooter, cutting to the rim and attacking secondary guys off the dribble. And in this situation, he doesn't necessarily get those chances quite as much. There's almost too much on his plate. But that's to your point. I mean, sure would have been nice to see a higher level to his game, but if anything, he's just looked worse with the Interesting. Maybe uh, you know, I've never really thought about this, but you know how uh, you know who else had a lot uh, who has the, you, know, you get the best out of them under those circumstances is the guy. He's obviously not playing because he got hurt. Is the guy, is the guy across from him in Kyrie? Yeah, right. But maybe you're miscast as being the guy that's got to run everything. You know. It's not like he does run everything. No, no, no. But I'm saying like you're the guy. Uh, yeah. Like that's, he, he, run, he runs enough. Where you bring you, the ball to court the majority yeah. of the time, right? Yeah. And you want um, more from him. Well, and he said, look, he said 17, 13, 9, 14, 19. Those are the numbers in these games. I mean, so he had he hadn't had a 20 point game in the series yet. This was the biggest one tonight, which was 19. Would he end up seven four, sixteen? He's gone to the free throw line five times in the series. Five. Better bring Five more time. against Better a team against game. a team with no rim protection. Better bring more game six. Better you know bring what I'm more. saying, like, I th- I think this guy's a gamer. I think he's a player, and it's like, I mean, look, if I give anybody thirty-seven to forty-five minutes, they're getting me fourteen points. <laughs> you play anybody in the league? That's replacement level stuff. If I'm playing you forty minutes, like surely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, anybody. He's going to get me, you know, th- those kind of numbers. I like, mean, he, it, come it's on, very, man. I mean, we'll see what he does in game six and game seven, potentially. Yeah. Um, but some guys just reach their limits, and it's about situation. Sometimes yeah. it's about opportunity. Some guys thrive with that, like Donovan Mitchell, who every step of the way seems to get better and better and better. Uh, granted, that series is tied now, but sometimes people stop getting better. Others yeah. don't stop getting better. Well, and I didn't want to I didn't want to skip over. Uh, we'll go back to this Atlanta-Philly uh, thing. Do you think that – Obviously, this is going to be so much based on Embiid and health. Um, the Sixers, 
uh, you know, not only was Embiid not very good, they had, what, a 17, 18-point lead in that game? And then Atlanta got back in the game, had all the confidence in the world. And, I mean, look, Trey Young, we talked about the 18 assists. He had 25 points on 26 attempts. So they made him inefficient again. Um, Collins had some big shots. You big know, time down the stretch. Him, man. Big step up yeah. from the pass game where he didn't do, do enough. Yeah, he did. But, I mean, I don't know. We, we, we talked so much about what could be replicated, and I guess it's going to be dependent on the NBA. That, that's like an all-time bad Embiid game. That really, that might be. I mean, I, I, I'm, I would imagine. I have not. I haven't looked this up. There's no way he's ever been four for twenty in a game. Yeah, ever in any game he's ever played in his life, including the first time he learned how to play basketball. Well, he's I mean, probably I, I, wasn't I, four for twenty. There's I, no I, way. I believe he had a offer once. Not for twenty. Not on twenty <laughs> shots. No, no, yeah. no, not on twenty That's what I'm shots. <laughs> four for twenty. No, not on not on twenty shots. This is shots. abysmal. You know what I mean? Like at his size, there's just no way. I mean, you almost never. Yeah, it, I bet there uh, haven't on, been many. I bet there have not been. Somebody could look this like basketball references. Seven footers. I don't have time to put in all the parameters, but seven footers that have had it. that have that have hit four or less field goals on twenty attempts. <laughs> I wonder if it's ever happened. Like. Seven footers just don't miss. Maybe it would be like one of those, maybe one of these perimeter guys, like a Porzingis or something. That's so, I'm talking about a center though. Joel Embiid, like his worst game prior to this was probably November 25th, 2019. He had zero points on 11 shots okay. against the Raptors during a, a regular season game. So of okay. course that's regular season, not playoffs. It's Marcus uh, all by the way. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. The, the guy who didn't play enough for the Lakers in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he they definitely may, did. They may still be in sure. it. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And so we get the Bright Now Suns. How about that, yeah. Chris, huh? Oh, How about hey, that? <laughs> look. <laughs> Pretty they, cool. Pretty cool. You got to admit, it's cool. There's no question it's cool. Look, when I saw Chris Paul do his speech about how him being counted out and about two years ago, people write me off, talking about worst contract and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then seeing Monty Williams – Oh my um, God! Post game, and, that yeah, and just me, talk about tear up a little bit. He was, you know, Chris was with me in the darkest times of my life. Um, and that's heavy. That is heavy. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been trying to work on some more features lately, like different feature stories yep. that should hopefully be out in the coming weeks, depending on how the playoffs go. And like, you know, like this, it, just just doing those. It's the relationships that people build that are most powerful. Yep. Right in this yes. sport or any any career you have, it's the relationships that you build, you know, that yep. are lifelong or sometimes that are meaningful for a brief amount of time in your life. Right. Sometimes people come and go in your life, but those relationships along the way, they all turn you into the person that you become. And to see Monty Williams and Chris Paul talk about, you know, kind of coming full circle, you know, being together again to have a moment to achieve this after so many years. And they've in their own respective ways been through uh, different types of adversity. I don't know it's powerful stuff, man. Like I it said, really it, made, it, it made me tear up watching that Monty Williams, you know, riff that he went on about just 
his life and you know the relationship with CP3. It's it's a it's a cool thing to to witness that group um, accomplish so much already and still have so much left to do. Because that's different. You know what I mean? That's different. That's different. That you just feel different. You feel different when it's him, when, when when it's him getting to experience that. That's not Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. That's not Nick Nurse and Kawhi Leonard. That's yeah. not you know what I'm saying this is this is a different deal. That's that's as close as you can be with somebody. You know, experiencing what Monty went through and Chris being there for him and by his side. That that's different than your normal coach player relationship. And let me just let me speak on Chris Paul real quick. So. I was like everybody else. Uh, Chris Paul coming out of Wake Forest took took the league by storm. He was very good immediately. Um, he was on some it, not like great teams um, and was an all star rather quickly. And I liked Chris Paul just like everybody else liked Chris Paul. And then Clippers Chris Paul made me sick to my stomach. I mean, I, I could not stand him. I because uh, look, I, as a Grizzlies fan, we have wars with them. He was the he was like the guy, um, along with Blake and DeAndre, that were the floppers and these floppers that flop around and there's these wars and whatever, and he's always complaining to the refs and the antics, and he's just a rival, right? Like, you know how we talk about not, not, I, I never hated the guys like sports, I always respected the guy, right? And and then as time went on, you know, uh, Houston, I was more on the Chris Paul side, the James Harden side. So that got a little odd because I'd never been really a Chris Paul guy. Uh, and then I told you during quarantine, I, I had to do all these film things. And, and a lot of them were going back and watching those games. And partly that, watching him throughout those but more so, and I've never like disliked him like personally by any means. He's always been super professional guy, and I've I've been well aware of how awesome he truly is the whole time, whether I couldn't stand him or not. Um, I watched those tapes, but then more, so, and I really you know you start to warm up to him. I'm gonna tell you something. My my opinion changed so dramatically in some ways, and my feelings changed so dramatically some ways last year. You know, that doesn't end the way he wants it to end in Houston. He gets traded to Oklahoma City. And this is the moment, Kevin, especially when he's 35 years old. This is the moment if you're Chris Paul. You're like, man, F this. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I'm I'm 35. Do you like look at my look at the amount of time I got left? How much basketball I got left in this body? I'm gonna spend a year in Oklahoma playing with Danilo Gallinari and Gildas Alexander and Steven Adams. Like where where like where, where are we going? Lou Dort? Like that's who my that's who I'm playing alongside. That's what's happening here. And he didn't say nothing, nothing. He didn't make a peep in an age where we watch Blake Griffin bail on a team, James Harden bail on a team, Kevin Love just embarrass himself bailing on a team. They're paying these guys $30, $40 million. They don't do shit. They just, they, they dog it, literally dog it. 
just so they can try to, so hopefully you'll buy me out or get me out of here or whatever else. And Chris Paul could have gone about that all different ways and nobody would have been out there blaming him because they would have said he's 35. He didn't want to play in Oklahoma City. He could have said, get me to Milwaukee. Get me to Miami. Get me to a place where I got a chance to go win a title. Um, And instead, instead, he put that team on his back They were the best fourth quarter team, best clutch team in the NBA. He was the best clutch player in the NBA and carried their ass to a game seven in the playoffs. Turns around and signs with Phoenix, (laughs) his buddy, Monty Williams, who hasn't done anything in forever, over a decade, and elevates them to a point where they're in the West Finals. And we got to go back and think. New Orleans, then you go to uh, you go to the Clippers. The Clippers for 30 years were a rat organization. And he got them to a spot where they made the playoffs every single year and had a chance, you know, at making runs. And to do that in L.A. and to do that now in Phoenix and to elevate that, you don't think Chris Paul could have gone to Sam Presti and said, yo, I'll be a good soldier, but get me to where I want to get. His choice was to go to Phoenix. That's where he wanted to go, you know? And and, and, he, and he, I'll, he, I, I'll do it there. I'll do it with them. I'll do it with Devin Booker. Not the obvious. You know what I mean? He could have gone and tried to team up with two other guys like everybody else does. He could have gone and dogged, dogged it. Until Oklahoma City just has to send him home like Al Horford or get rid of him or whatever. Instead, I mean, he put put a team on his back in Oklahoma City and gave it everything he had. Got him to a game seven. And then he goes and signs with Phoenix and look at him, man. He's in the damn Western Conference Finals. And and I think, you know, we're talking about Chris Paul, the player. Monty Williams, the coach. We also have to mention James Jones, the general manager, absolutely, who has put together this team, who has assembled an entire roster of smart, hardworking individuals right. who are selfless and work together for the greater good. They embrace their roles. They they lift each other up. They have complementary skills. James Jones, you know, there's some good stuff from the past regime. A lot of bad stuff. He got rid of all the bad stuff. And brought in a lot more good stuff and has helped create this uh, this roster for Monty Williams to work with and install a system and bring in players and put them in positions to succeed at the highest level. And this Suns roster, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the Western Conference. We don't even know their opponent yet. Mm-hmm. But for them to get to this point in their first year with Chris Paul, with this new group together, it already is a season for the ages for any Suns fan. Like this is a memorable team and it's really the start of something because of how young all these other guys are. And the fact Chris Paul doesn't look anywhere near the end, does he, Chris? He still looks like he's ready to go for as long as he wants to. Well, it's th- something th- else watching him, but kudos really to that entire organization, James Jones, to Monty Williams, to Chris Paul and that entire roster. It's sensational what they've done. I agree with you. He is a guy that uh Jones who obviously has to be trustworthy you know what i mean you don't have a guy like that this is yeah it looks like chris has got a lot of basketball left but it also doesn't look like uh you know we're not talking infinite time here right like in terms of being the guy and i can take over the game and by the way that was an his last game 
Their closeout game was an absolute masterpiece for him. It's as good as you will ever see him. If you told somebody he's 22, they, they'd believe it. He was that amazing in that game. Um, athletically, too. I mean, he's just getting creating his space, getting to where he wanted to on the court. But, you know, you got to be able to trust James Jones. And the other thing is this. One of the sneaky, unbelievable signings in all of free agency is Crowder. And you can go back and you can find these stories. Crowder was a free agent after Miami where he played in those finals last year for them, right? Crowder was asked about how many, you know, how many teams they heard from. It was over 20. There's over 20 teams that wanted Jay Crowder in the offseason. I mean, he could have chosen anywhere. So why? You know what I mean? You obviously, you, you, this is a team that two years ago won 19 games. And to have Monty Williams and Chris Paul and flip this into a thing where a guy that's got offers all over the NBA is willing to say, you know what? I'll go there. I'll go play there with that group. That's what I'll do. I, I interviewed uh, Jay Crowder for the story I wrote about the Suns earlier this season, and he told me a story about how, you know, <laughs> I mean, clearly Miami did lowball him. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They couldn't offer quite as much as Phoenix or other teams could. But he said, you know, when Devin Booker first called him, he was unsure. He's like, this team hasn't done anything for years. And he says he thought about it more, talked with a couple of people, and he's like, you know what? Being part of this potential thing, you know, with this group – can be special. It can be meaningful. This is a group that's hungry, a city and a fan base that's hungry, and he wanted to be part of that. I know this is like some cliche-sounding stuff. I wanted to be part of something special, but I, I totally buy it. I totally buy it. He's always been that type of guy. He's always been about the team and always been about making winning plays. And Devin Booker, the way he made that pitch, maybe he had some idea that Chris Paul might be coming too. Um you know, he made the right choice. It's a yep. perfect situation for him. It's a perfect basketball fit. And look where they are. Western Conference Finals, a chance to go to the NBA Finals. That's right. And players always, every every coach that ever gets hired, you know what they come in and they say? They all say the same damn thing. They all talk about it, the culture. They're all going to establish the culture. There needs to be a culture. We're going to create a culture here, whatever. Let me tell you what creates culture. Players. That's players who too. creates yep. culture. Players always You know do. what I mean? It's, yep. it's, it's, it's Kyle Anderson telling me that the way he learned about being a professional was when he was a rookie, he showed up to practice and Duncan and Ginobili were already there. Mm. Now the impact that has on a young guy, the impact that has on a young guy, right? A young guy looks at that and he goes, wait, hold on now. I can't be here after they are here. They've been in the league for 15 years, right? And that's how it has to be. And so when Chris Paul and the Jay Crowders of the world, when they walk in that door and they're the guys that are, you're not going to outwork them and you're not going to, they're, they're not taking, uh, you know, the night off and they're not going to, uh, they're, they're always going to fight every, every game. And they're also going to practice every practice, you know, and they're not going to try to get the coach to cancel practice. And like, it's right place, right time. And, you know, I see this a lot with children too, obviously, as I have some. So many times people nowadays think that these kids, um, and they're they're overly aggressive and, and bad guys that can coach, right? I'm, I'm well aware of that. 
But I will say, in terms of like the hard on them and the discipline and stuff, I've watched it with my own eyes and I've watched it with my own son. They crave that. They crave that. They really do. You know, they don't want the substitute teacher that just lets them do anything. They want somebody to teach them. They want somebody to show them the way. They want to be a part of something. And that's not, that's the human condition. And I can only imagine the Devin Bookers, the DeAndre Aytons, the other guys that have been around, you know, that when they walk in, they see that and it's like, you know, maybe... Maybe like a Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, they're more like kind of peers with Chris. So when Chris is yelling at them back in the day, it comes off like, man, F this guy. And they <laughs> resent him. These guys, they don't resent him at all. They couldn't resent him less. And you see the other night, they were, they were playing Denver. They were, they're running out on him. There's 18 seconds left. He was yelling at him. Chris Paul. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that the Clippers guys were all like, man, shut up. So, sometimes, know, sometimes. alone, right? It's, like, it's too much. Sometimes you need friction. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody who's criticizing Direction you. Direction too, yeah. Yeah, criticizing you, directing you. And, like, it's about oftentimes how you take it and how you yep. respond to it. Because, like, nobody's perfect. That's and right. if you're criticized, it's not necessarily some indictment on your character and who you are. If anything, there can be some truth rooted in criticism. Not always. Sometimes it's, there's nothing to it, but like, you know, if you're a player on the court and Chris Paul, a future hall of famer is telling you this or that, like right. <laughs> maybe there's something there and something to learn from. And, you know, this is a guy who's won at the highest level. He's not won a championship. Maybe he will. There's still a lot of time for him. Um, and with this Suns team, they could, but he's been through it all. And if you're not going to listen to that guy, I'm not sure I'd want you on my team if you're not going right. to listen to Chris Paul's feedback. Well, and truth be told, he's probably, uh, I'd say two things. He's probably better about better communicating it, yes. with guys. Because he probably improved he's older, too. wiser. Because he's yeah. learned. Right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that even when he's tough on guys, there's probably some good cop, bad cop that goes on with him and Monty. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Where it's like, usually there's the, like, it's almost like a switch of roles. Usually it's the player that, uh, you know, it's the player that does the, (laughs) hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) And that's Bonnie here. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like usually it's the player that has Cam- to walk Cameron over. Cameron Payne goes to Marnie's office. <laughs> Chris yeah. yelled at me. Yeah, Chris right. yelled at me. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's Just keep right. on. It's all right, man. Right? Yeah. And then he finds a way to take Chris Paul's criticism, shows him some That's film, right. and say, here's what Chris was talking about. That's and then right. it all works. That's right. Good it cop, is. bad cop is a real freaking thing, dude. It oh, really 100%. Is. It's, it's effective. Absolutely. Um, one last thing on them. Chris has got a great matchup either way. No matter who wins between Utah yeah. and uh, the Clippers, he's got a very good matchup. Chris either Paul, way. Chris Paul versus uh, Jazz drop defense, or oh my god, just facing the Clippers. That's Chris it. Paul versus the Clippers would be some either, drama, huh? Either Former one team. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, Kev, you got to explain something to me. What's that, Chris? What's going on? This friggin- Taking off your glasses. This, the, the, yeah, this friggin' Ty Lu. I, I mean. What's going on? Look. What's bothering you now, Chris? No. He's not bothering me now. I just don't get why it's taken two games twice. He gets to the right thing. He does. But it's like somebody, man, men in black zapped him for for like, like he forgot the Dallas series. So he turns around and he goes back with this Zubats thing and not playing Terrence Mann. And it's like, wait, didn't we just watch this? And of course we'd had. And so that's what he does against Utah. And then by the time they get to three and four, uh, which were, uh, uh, you know, in Dallas, uh, the last series, but this time they were in LA. But by the time they get to three and four, he's starting Batum. He, he's not going big anymore. He's doing this interchangeable thing. Terrence Mann's in the rotation. And it's like, hold on, man. Like, why? Like, we've seen the numbers. We see how devastating they can be with this group. And it took him, you know, a couple of games uh, before that got figured out in that first round. And... What's just so odd to me is it's like literally the same stuff. Like the same stuff just happened in the last series. And now it's happened in this series. And like I think we said from the beginning, they've got the goods. It's just uh, bizarrely like, I don't know, tried tried something that remember there was no Luke Kennard even and Luke Kennard literally beat Dallas in a game by hitting the shots. He beat them. And he wasn't even playing. It was like, no Luke Kennard. And then they come out last night. Again, they're starting Batum. Rudy gets played off the floor with fouls. Kawhi, you know, is murdering Derek Favors at the rim. The Clippers, George and Kawhi are both unbelievable simultaneously two games in a row and I just can't I can't figure out why it takes him a little bit to get there um but he does get there he does I mean I, I so what do I give him credit for getting there or do yeah. I still get frustrated with the fact that you pissed away two games for no reason <laughs> it's just weird I mean he 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 got to that point and you know, maybe there'll have to be another adjustment again. Right now, what they're doing, like nothing specifically is working against Donovan Mitchell. He has elevated his play to the point that there's no scheme that works against him. He always has something to defeat you. But them going to the blitz, throwing it in there randomly, occasionally trapping and doubling, and he has an opportunity with the ball, it's working to just, you know, screw with their rhythm and what they're doing. But... If Mike Conley returns, that changes everything. 
because Conley and Gobert have that connection in the pick and roll that could open up things up there. And then you have Mitchell in a situation where there's another primary guy who can create shots for him away from the ball, bringing him off handoffs and screens and cutting opportunities. If Conley's return in the series is the key, you know, if they, if Utah gets Conley back, I feel pretty good about their chances. Maybe he'll give it a go, like we we saw with James Harden tonight. I'd be a little bit surprised if he didn't. This is a must-win game, man. It's time for Quinn Snyder to raise the minutes of his starters, 40-plus minutes for these key guys. Time to ramp it up, play your best players, time to run your best plays, and time to get Mike Conley out there, even if he's a little bit limited. Uh, you need his playmaking. you got to have him. I know, but I just think I think uh, yeah, there is a possibility – that a hobbled Conley actually hurts you more. And I say this as, as big a Conley fan as there I is know in the where world. You're going with it. Because you could throw out hobbled Harden tonight and he got to the eight assists and he got to the five boards and he could at least, you know, stand in the paint so Giannis doesn't just mow him over and, and be strong, right? Boy, you want to talk about targeting somebody. And you got Conley on a bum wheel. You know what I mean? Like him holding up defensively. And he is a guy that is, that's what he does. He's not the, you know, cerebral, just kind of run. Like he's, he's fast. He's always been quick. He's always been one dribble pull up type guy. He's always been beat you to the spot type of guy. And a hobbled Mike Conley, you know, Again, just with a guy that's always been a quick guy, I think uh, I don't know if if it helps you in the same way because he doesn't he doesn't provide the decoy that a Harden does. You're right, and that and he's also struggled. So in he's got to be good, uh, you know. Yeah, and, and he's struggled severely in the past when he's been limited. Remember when he had the yep. Achilles thing a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. And he, just, and he looked like a total shell of his former self. That's he right. looked nothing like the Mike Conley we've watched dominate in the pick and roll for years. So to your point, you know, maybe you give it a try in the first quarter. If he doesn't look like himself, you pull the plug. And maybe that screws up your rhythm, you know, screws up your rotations. But to me – I think it's worth it. I, I really think it's worth it because that's when the Jazz are at their best, when you have Conley in the starting five, you have Joe Ingles coming off the bench, so that way you're not relying so much on Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Ingles coming off that bench is when Utah is at their absolute best. I'd love to see them go with that. And not only that, Chris, you know, if you're not if the, the pick and roll with Gobert screening is going to be neutralized – Let's see some stuff with like Joe Ingles on the short roll. Set some screens for Mitchell from like 28 feet out, 29 feet out. Get creative. Get Ingles on the short roll. Get Royce O'Neal on the short roll. I'd like to see a little bit of that, some new stuff from the Jazz in this situation with the way the Clippers are defending them. I think there's, even if without Conley, there's a little bit more stuff that they can do on the offensive end. Um, but even then, though. The Clippers, as you said earlier, they're potent right now. They're yeah, and with this group, it goes on both ends of the floor as well. And they're just putting so much pressure on the Jazz. Even if you want to, you know, if you want to complain about the refs, and I'm sure there's a lot of Utah fans that are. I mean, you, you can't put the Clippers on the line 38 times. And the one thing that is a little troubling is, you know, in many cases when the Jazz lose a game, it's like I they just didn't they didn't hit their threes. I mean, they were 17 to 42. They shot 41% from three. 
and lost the game. I mean, the, the, I it, do they would ever wor- not shoot forty percent? It's I know. pretty wild. I know <laughs> almost would, every night. <laughs> what would worry me is Kawhi and George both being awesome simultaneously twice. It's one thing for them to do it once. And in fact, I heard Rosillo had this number the other day, and I was more in line with what I believe Simmons guessed than what the answer was. It was how many times have they both scored 30 in the same game since they've been with the Clippers? And I think Bill guessed like, you know, 22 or something like that, right? The answer was like five. Like they they both scored thirty in the same game. Like they have not been able to be simultaneously awesome, and yet these last two games, they have been simultaneously awesome, and that's troubling. If you're, if you're, if you're Utah, right? Yeah, yep, you, absolutely. That 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 one's a tough one. Um, this is set up so much better. I thought these 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 series were hurtling towards being pretty crap, and it's actually gotten way more interesting. Partly because of injury, but however we got there, we got there. You know, there was the one run-out series uh, with Phoenix, but the other three, you know, they're all in the balance. Is there anybody? I think Atlanta, that would stun me. That would stun me. There's not a winner in either of the other two series that would stun me. Clippers, Jazz, no. And Bucks. Brooklyn, I think those neither of those series. If, if 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 any of those four teams won their series, it would not stun me. If Atlanta did, and 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 Philly, you know, fell apart, I'd be I'd be that by one. That, that yeah. would be the one. That would, yep. And, and if it does happen, it's probably because Embiid isn't himself again. Yeah, I think that's fair. It should be a very fun week. Um, yeah. We'll have a lot of we're gonna have a lot of stuff to talk about by the time we come back on Thursday. I look forward. We'll be recording again Thursday night. So yep. in your feed late Thursday, early Friday, depending on where you are in the world. Big thanks to Carlos for filling in as our producer again this week. Appreciate everybody listening to Mismatch. We will talk to you on Friday. Have a fun week, everybody. Everybody.